Welcome to Slutty Activism, the podcast that teaches you to fight fascism with your genitals. Really, you can become the change you want to see in the world by becoming an extraordinary lover. No experience necessary. I'm your host, certified sex coach and professional sexual revolutionary, Sarah Martin. Let's get started. Hello, hello, friend. So lovely to have you join me for a little bit today. Listen, I want to share with you something that I've observed. In my private practice, I regularly meet people who've been employing one of two broad strategies to find partners. Most often, my clients have been using a people-pleasing strategy. They may have so far been a so-called good girl or a nice guy, and are frustrated because they aren't finding the relationships they want. They're either perpetually single when they don't want to be, or they keep getting into relationships with people who treat them poorly, trample their boundaries, and ignore their desires. Other times, less common, but it still happens, my clients will have traded in people-pleasing for a strategy of domination. They may call this being a bitch, like in the classic Why Men Love Bitches, that's a book, or as an alpha. They come to see me because they also wind up dissatisfied. They might have more success getting into relationships, but wind up either full of anxiety and doubt about their partner's attraction to them, or exhausted and frustrated by always initiating. It's interesting Despite how different the behaviors of people-pleasing and domineering appear on the surface, that people-pleasers and domineering assholes are relatively easily able to move across to the other behavior set if they decide to do so. The thing is, people-pleasing and dominating are two sides of the same coin. They're actually remarkably similar. They're terrible ways to behave in relationships, first of all. And what's more, they facilitate and empower fascism, even if unintentionally. If you know you deserve better than what you've been told you have to settle for, and you're not ready to accept that this is just how it is when it comes to dating, sex, and relationships, then head on over to sluttyactivism.com, that's sluttyactivism.com, to get on the path to deeply pleasurable, more connected, and satisfying sexual experiences. Okay, now back to the show. People-pleasing is a strategy of self-sacrifice in order to get what you want. People-pleasing tends to show up differently along gendered lines. In women, we most often think of the good girl trope, and in men, we often think of the nice guy. In the people-pleasing, self-sacrificing strategy, you supplant your wants with the wants of the other person. You go through a series of mental gymnastics to convince yourself that their wants really are your wants. You defer your desires to the other always. To put it another way, you become a means to the other's ends. On the other hand, dominance is a strategy of, well, (laughs) dominating others in order to get what you want. 
Just like with people-pleasing, dominance tends to show up in really gendered presentations like the aforementioned bitch or alpha. In the dominance model strategy, your wants are all that matter. You aim to supplant the other person's wants with your own and to convince the other to take on your wants as if they really are their wants. You impose your desire on the other, always. The other becomes a means to your ends. Both of these strategies, ultimately, are about control. In people-pleasing, you aim to control others through your self-sacrifice. There's an unspoken and non-consensual expectation that if you do what you believe the other wants, then surely they will pay you back. This is as true of the good girl as it is of the nice guy, though society tends to vilify nice guys and pity good girls. People-pleasing is an indirect approach to fulfilling desires. People-pleasers attempt to avoid rejection by doing all the so-called right things so that what they want to happen just happens. They don't risk the vulnerability of voicing their actual desires. <sighs> Folks, People-pleasing is a highly manipulative behavior, and I know that sounds harsh. And as a reformed people-pleaser myself, I know people-pleasers are way more likely to identify as having been manipulated than as willful and intentional manipulators. But just because we didn't consciously intend to manipulate doesn't make it any less true, though. In seeking to control outcomes through self-sacrifice, what we're doing is attempting to strip away the autonomy of others and get them to conform to our desires without factoring in whether that's what they actually want. In dominance, you aim to control others through imposition. There's an expectation often spoken aloud that you are the ultimate decider and that to receive your affections, others must comply or be cast out. Dominance is a more explicit approach to fulfilling desires. Just like people-pleasing, dominance is a strategy rooted in avoidance. Someone employing the dominant strategy seeks to avoid the discomfort and vulnerability of hearing the desires of their partners by just straight-up defining how things are going to work. The manipulation and attempt to control is more obvious in dominance, and we're generally better at recognizing it as a society. What often goes unnoticed is that a very similar cowardice, as in people-pleasing, is driving this behavioral choice, and that much of the bravado of dominance is a surface-level mask covering up deep insecurity. People-pleasers are trying to win favor, dominators are trying to win compliance, and what both utterly miss out on is the opportunity to connect authentically with their partners. People-pleasers and dominators alike wind up isolated, whether they remain single or not. Those that wind up in relationships are often surprised to discover that the anxiety and loneliness don't let up and in fact actually become more profound. There's nothing quite like the specific anguish of feeling deeply alone despite being together with someone. It is through this isolation, self-denial, and desire suppression that people-pleasing and domineering facilitate fascism. Fascism takes hold in the hearts of people who are afraid and alone. People-pleasing and domineering can motivate people to search for answers to their persistent discontent, which can lead them to online subcultures that serve as gateways into the neo-fascist movements of our time. 
The impulse that motivates people to engage with things like pickup artistry, seduction, female dating strategy, red pill, incel, it's, it's understandable. Attempts to understand and improve your situation are commendable, and being able to commiserate with others in a similar place is really soothing. But these spaces are not benign. They are usually the first steps on a pipeline that leads towards metastasized hatred. Additionally, if what you want are connected, pleasure-filled relationships, then acting from within the self-sacrifice dominant spectrum of behaviors will keep you perpetually dissatisfied. In people-pleasing and dominance, you're not living, fucking, or relating honestly. You're either so distanced from your own desire that your desire for your partner isn't genuine, or you're always left wondering if your partner truly desires you. And because you're not relating honestly, you're unable to really connect with your partners. That alone-together feeling flourishes in self-sacrificing or domineering-influenced relationships. It's like somehow you just keep missing each other. Your relationships, therefore, wind up lacking intimacy and validation. Folks who cannot identify why this is happening most often tend to have one of two reactions. Some grow enraged with themselves, self-blaming and feeling like a failure. Others grow enraged with the world and generalize that rage to everyone who is a potential object of affection or attraction. For example, all men, all women. For many, the shift to rage is also the beginning of a retreat from dating, friendships, from in-person interaction, and a shift to instead looking for commiserators. That so many people are stuck in this miserable cycle of ineffective relationship strategies ought to piss us off and concern us. How is it possible we are failing so many people so badly when it comes to helping build the skills that actually lead to connected, intimate, pleasurable relationships? It's a travesty. At the same time, once you begin to truly see the misery all around you in the intimate lives of others, you can't unsee it. Once you recognize that same misery is fuel for far-right neo-fascist movements, it becomes clear that there is nothing benign about accepting the status quo. The answer to escaping the self-sacrifice dominance paradigm is to stop playing this game entirely and to focus inward on what you actually want. Learning to deliberately connect with your desire to become curious about the wants of your body, mind, and heart, this is an essential step in sexual liberation. Your desire is your ally. Your desire is honest. Your desire is how others may fully connect with the real, actual you. With desire in the driver's seat, you're able to shift to a strategy of collaboration when it comes to relationships. You prioritize sharing your desires and hearing the desires of others in order to see if there's a match of the things you'd like to experience. It's vulnerable, I'm not going to lie. When you share your true desires, you may be rejected by others. When others share their true desires with you, you may be rejected too. But the reward for that vulnerability is the closeness you seek. It's the freedom of knowing you're together with someone and that they're together with you because of true, independent choice, not out of obligation or fear. 
It's the ongoing practice of courage and intimacy with others. When you begin to use the strategy of collaboration in your relationships, romantic, sexual, or otherwise, you not only change your world and your experience, it doesn't stop with you. It can't. (laughs) You probably know where this is going by now, right? Your example is profound. Your conduct in relationships will attract attention and stand out because it's so unfortunately rare. Many people are not used to ever being treated with explicit consideration of their desires. When you honor the desires of others, making space to hear and consider them in a collaborative light, this is one of the most powerful ways you infuse your conduct with dignity. You reflect back to others their own worthiness. Cultivating a sense of worthiness changes lives. When you help those around you cultivate their own sense of worthiness by exemplifying honor and respect for dignity, you actively help to create communities of resistance and resilience. You make it possible for yourself and others to stand up to exploitation. You bolster others against fascism. You provide a living example of something other than people-pleasing or dominance. You show others that the way out of that trap is through the vulnerable and courageous path of desire. You become a light in the darkness. So what do you say? Come join me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to sluttyactivism.com and learn how you can get started changing the world with pleasure. Also, make sure to follow the show so that you get notified when I drop a new episode. And if you want to connect with other like-minded people, come join us in Certainty for Overthinkers, the Slutty Activism Podcast Community Facebook group. Hope to see you there.